Welcome to this episode of Catchy Knowledge, where we want more than just fishing knowledge, we want catchy knowledge. This episode, we're headed back out west to California and interviewing someone who lives up in the Sierra Nevada mountain range near Bishop and Mammoth. We have a couple connections to Kent Pulse. Kent Pulse took my great-grandpa fishing when he was alive and also taught my dad's cousin, Jeff Tatum, from episode four, How to Fish. Also, Kent Pulse is really good friends with coach Jim Kunal, a football coach my dad has coached with, who has lots of coaching accolades out in California. I believe Kent and Coach K went to college together. Well, maybe I have that wrong, but they're really good friends. Kent is a good guy, and I think you'll enjoy this episode. Let's get started. Today, I'd like to welcome Kent Pulse to this episode of Catching Knowledge. Kent is familiar with a well-loved fishing destination in the Bishop and Mammoth areas in the Sierra Nevada mountain range. If you remember back to episode four, we interviewed Jeff Tatum, my dad's cousin, who's from the same area. Kent and Jeff know each other pretty well, and Kent has taken Jeff fishing many times. He's also taken Jeff's grandpa and my great-grandpa, Bob Ripley, fishing numerous times. He also happens to be the pastor of two churches in those communities. I'm pretty excited to talk with Pastor Kent because his name has come up in several fishing conversations, and everyone says he's a great guy. Welcome, Pastor Kent. Well, thank you, Mike. I wish I could edit my sermons like you're editing your stuff. That's not fair. But no, it's good to be able to edit, isn't it? It's great to have this great technology. Go ahead with your questions, and your questions will cause me to remember a lot of great stories about fishing. All right, let's get started. How and where did you start fishing? Well, I started in Santa Paula, California. That's a a small city about 14 miles east of Ventura, California, from the beach. And it's the citrus capital of the world. Uh, My dad was a pastor there, and to get away... He would go hiking, and one day he came back with a bunch of fish on a string. I'm like, where'd you get those, Dad? And the man next door named Butch Handrock had taken him fishing. They went to this little area uh, back called Possespe Creek. They fished, and they came back, and he cooked these fish, and I liked to eat them, and it was great. And he said, when can I go, Dad? So me and my brother Dave went back there with our bamboo poles. But the trouble is we'd get a fish on the line, and we'd get so excited. What did we do? We just yanked the hook right out of the fish's mouth. So we learned, didn't we? We learned an awful lot. So that was my first real experience. And my dad taught me the knots. He taught me how to get the tangles out. And I started to learn how the reels work. And that helped me to fish better by myself. But if I ask you a question, what's the first fish you ever caught? I have no idea what species it was. Maybe Um, it was a carp. I was like two or something. I was with my grandpa at North Lake. Yeah, your grandpa Larry loves to fish. He always will fish when no one else is fishing, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What do you mainly fish for? Mainly trout. That's kind of what I grew up with. But I I grew up near a big lake called Lake Murray. It was just a mile and a half from my house. So whenever I wanted to fish, I'd take my bike and fish for bluegill, bass. But trout was my most fun thing because... There was a little kid's pond, and you could fish there as long as you were under 12. And so I I learned to catch trout there. Uh, One time I got caught by the game warden because I was just over 12. You have to be only 12 there. And he took all my tackle from me. 
and he put it in his big storage house, and I thought I was never going to see it again. He says, Mr. Pulse, you can come back next Saturday. Well, that whole time I'm wondering, am I going to get my fishing tackle and my poles and my net back? And I went in, and he gave me a big lecture about keeping the rules, and that you're, you're too old to be in that pond. I said, well, I'm just helping my brother. It doesn't matter. You were fishing. <laughs> and I had tears in my eyes, but he let me have my stuff back. He says, you have to fish in the men's pond now where you had to pay money to fish, which I didn't like. But that was one of the great lessons I learned in fishing. Keep the rules. You have to pay money to fish in that. Yeah. Why do you think you keep fishing? Well, it's something I can do even when I get a little older. You know, I used to love to play basketball every week. I did that, you know, like, say, 15, 20 years old to about uh, middle 40s. But after a while, your joints and your knees and everything else say, stop, stop. But fishing, you can get in a boat or a kayak or a float tube or fish from the shore and sit in a chair. You can go in your waders and go out about three or four feet and be okay that way. It just offers you a lot of variety, relaxation. You can do it till possibly the day you die. I don't know if you can see this guy or not, but he's a guy that had Alzheimer's that I went fishing with. Him. It's got a little tribute to him. We just had a funeral for him. But he has Alzheimer's. I took him out. His wife says, can you take him out? Take Roger out. So we went out to Lake Mary and Mammoth. I didn't expect to catch anything. We didn't catch anything all day. All of a sudden, one bite, I felt boom, boom, boom on our little plastic worm. I said, here, Roger, take the line. Keep it tight. I said, keep it tight. And he did. And we brought it in this big six-pounder. So that was a lot of fun. Can you tell me about fishing with my great-grandpa, Bob Ripley, or my cousin? Oh, 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 many times. He would always say, Master or Kent. We got to go fishing. And he would always take us out to lunch first, and then we'd go out on a boat because I had enough people in my church that had boats that we could go out and use them. One of the, the greatest fun times we had was we weren't catching any fish. So we tried to troll. We trolled what are called these little needle fish. They're black and silver, about that big. And you fish with lead lines, you get your bait down there, and you move the boat around, and find it. All of a sudden, we hooked up. We couldn't believe it. We anchored right there. And then at that point, we had a little ball bait, looks like a salmon egg, above a worm, and he started reeling them in. Oh, he get excited about that. Oh, come, come over here, Ken. I got another one. I got another one. And then he would start making fun of me because I wasn't catching him. Little did he know that I was allowing him to catch every single fish that he had on the line. But he was just so into it. And you know when the drag goes out when you have a nice fish? You know what yeah. that means? That means, yeah. you know, that you want that drag to go out. Went out and went out, and he brought it in. Nice, probably about four pounds he caught that day. But I loved going fishing with him because he just was one of the few guys in my life that would say, Kent, what do you want? I said, what do I want? I don't know. He says, how about an electric motor for your boat? So he got me an electric motor for my boat. And I call electric motors the silent assassins because the fish can't hear you coming. I'll tell you one illegal thing I did. You like to hear things that pastors do wrong and when I did that one time, wow. all the time when your grandpa Ripley was fishing with me, we'd always catch fish. For some reason, we'd always get a stringer fish. One day they weren't biting. And, you know, he was blind. So what I did, I only had a couple of fish on the stringer. So I would kind of pull his line a little bit because he, he couldn't see. And I would put an, one of the fish that we already caught on the, on the hook so he could pull it in. So as far as he knows, we caught a whole stringer of fish. Anyway, that was one of the bad things I did, but still gave, <laughs> gave your grandpa Ripley a great joy. <laughs> I hear blindness runs in my family. Oh, <laughs> it probably does. How about with Jeff? 
Oh. Jeff latched on to fishing. He just really, really got into it. Jeff is a good friend with my boys, and I taught him how to fish what's called trout worms. They're about this long, and it was kind of fun to fish with a trout worm because you didn't just let your pole set. You got to kind of work it like a plastic worm. You know what a plastic worm is. Yeah. You give it a little jig, and uh, I wasn't with him when he caught a really big fish, but I was with him when he caught a lot of fish at South Lake. You know where South Lake is? North Lake, South Lake. Okay. North Lake is the one that your grandpa, Marty, likes to fish. Yeah, well, anyway, we did real well. And my dad always taught us, always make sure you look back when you're casting so you don't hook your friend. Well, he was catching so many fish, he didn't look back. And he caught me right here in the chin. I still have the scar here. And anyway, he cut the line and we kept fishing because the trout were biting so much. You're using these little black ants. Well, he took me down, down to Bishop, and he said, we're not going to the hospital. We're going to try to get it out ourselves. So he got the scissors and he got the... Uh, tweezers and he got the antiseptic and he's cutting back there in the back of the car like this and cutting my chin and the police officer <laughs> police officers what are you doing it looked like he was taking the knife to my throat because he was using his little pocket knife to get, the, get this out anyways please go to the hospital get that taken care of but to this day we have a big competition because he always taught us look back look back look back before you cast well he didn't look that time. And uh, so I blame my dad for this scar right here on my chin. I only look back when I'm on a dock or something where people okay, are Okay, when there's other people there, yeah. Well, he knew we were there, but the fishing was so hot that night, he wasn't thinking about it. It was just one after the other. You know how that goes? When you just The fish are just biting so incredibly, and you're not thinking about anything but catching fish. The fishing also teaches patience, doesn't it? Yeah. And I remember I got my reel all tangled up. And it was my dad's reel, and I felt so bad. He said, that's okay, Kent. You can take this other reel. And so he let me get started that way, and he knew some fishing time. But when I saw the fish out there in the water, I got so excited when I was about your age, maybe a little bit younger. I just wouldn't let him take the bait. Couldn't catch a fish because I wasn't patient enough. So anyway, it's a good part of fishing. You know how you said you tangled for real? Yeah. Was it like a bait caster or something? No, it was just a regular spinning reel, open face reel, those kind. Oh, My yeah. first reel was a, a Zebco 202 closed face. And uh, then I got into the, the, the open reel. That was, but that's what I've always used. Have you run across bass fishermen that like the open face reel instead of the bait caster? Yeah, I've read about things like that. I've been using bait casters lately. Mm -hmm. Well, you can cast them a little bit more accurately. I'm told you can stop the line where you want to stop it, you know, pretty easily. I have plenty of bait casting reels. It's just not a great fun thing for me to fish. But when you come out, you show me how fun it is. I'll take you to these places where all these bass hang out. You show me how to use a bait caster reel, Which, okay? Really, the only trick is to turn the thing that makes it fall faster up pretty high. Oh, yes, that's right. And that's frustrating if you don't have that right, isn't it? Otherwise, you just, just it can get all messed up. It's all back up. Do you mainly catch and release, or you catch and keep, or a little bit of both? A lot of lakes around here are newer, and they're catch and release only. But we kept some trout not too long ago when we were camping. The next time you catch a trout, take some soy sauce and some brown sugar, mix it together with some water, and just let the fish sit in there for a couple hours, and then cook it. You'd be amazed at the taste. Brine it? Yeah. What we did was just Lowry's and butter. You can do that. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. 
Do you have any other fishing stories? My wife had a funny story. Our first anniversary of hunting, she didn't know that I liked to fish. But she found out that I liked to fish. Our first experience, I got sick, so that wasn't good. The next experience, we were in San Diego in the Cuyamaca Mountains, and a beautiful day. And she's reading her book in the chair, and I'm just casting out reeling and fish. And, uh, well, I shouldn't have pushed my luck because the next day I said, let's go out. It was early in the morning. And uh, she was laying on the bottom of the boat because she was so cold. And I should have said, let's go in. But I kept saying, one more bite, one more bite. So she's never been into fishing <laughs> because of that experience. I guess she's a good wife, though. I guess he's she's sure. A, my wife is a good catch. Hmm. Have you learned any other lessons from fishing? When you lose a big fish, and your day will come, believe me, when you catch a really big fish, then you lose one that's even bigger, and you're going to go, oh, you're, you're so down. You go, how did I lose that fish? Well, forget about it. Just forget about it. There's always going to be another opportunity. But that teaches how life is. You lose things in life, don't you? Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah. You lose things that you don't want to lose, but you lose them anyway. Or you, maybe you catch something that's unexpected, or you find something that's unexpected, or you win a game you didn't expect. And so you need to count your blessings. So fishing can teach you that. Another problem I have is I get real envious. Do you know what the word envy means? Yeah. Jealous when somebody else is walking away with a big fish and, I, and it's bigger than mine or I don't have any. That's another lesson. That's the way life is, right? Some people have a lot more than you have and you learn to say, thank you, Lord, for the blessings I have, right? Yeah. Good. What's another question you have? I'm kind of still learning that. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. Not too long ago, I got frustrated. Not when I lost the fish, but when I lost the top half of my rod. Oh, that's right. I've done that. You're going to lose equipment. I've had people take things when I left it behind. That's happened too. It's a caricature of life. That's the way life is. You leave things behind. You're a little careless. You get in an accident with your pole. You lose it. Uh, or you lose just the tip. Oh, I hate that. And another thing I've learned, I, when I've bought real expensive reels and rods, guess what? They always break. I'm not as careful with them. And if I pay a lot of money for a rod and reel, I feel worse when I lose them. I hear for reels, you can make it last a lifetime if you oil it constantly. Yes, correct. That's correct. I'll give you a couple of poles and rods and reels when you come out, okay? You can have them from my fishing collection. How would that be? And you can make sure they get all oiled up and you take care of them. And Thanks. I heard a story one time about a, a husband and a wife that weren't getting along very well. And the husband was a great fisherman. He loved to fish. He had a lot of fishing poles. And the wife did not know how to talk to her husband about how she felt. And you know what she said? She said, honey, you see that, that, that fishing pole in the corner that's all dusty and dirty that you never take care of, you never oil it, you never take it on a fish trip. She goes, that's how I feel. So sometimes we feel like the old fishing pole in the corner when no one's taking care of us, right? So you make sure you take care of your family and your fishing rod. Yeah. One of the funnest things that I like to do is set a certain amount of money aside. My wife gets mad at me because the money kind of collects pretty quickly and rapidly and it's too much money she thinks for fishing, but I don't. So I might take it out to buy fishing, special lures, special stringers, special knives, special pliers that I might use for fishing. And that gives me a great joy, but. And he had his fishing fun for many, many years until I finally said, wait a minute, where's my fun fun? 
Oh, we even got a surprise visit from Mrs. Pulse. Do you have a fun? Yeah, there's a swap meet or something like that every year. At the high school my dad works at for outdoor stuff and some basketball puts it on. Yeah. And it's in uh, how many months? And I'm already saving up. Oh, good, good. Eight months and I have $80 saved up. Hey, that's a good fishing fun. Now go put it in a coffee can so one else can find it. I'm just kidding. It's already hidden. <laughs> and I found that the more expensive stuff I buy, the less fun I have. I've had the most fun with basic equipment that you can just get at the store, like just giving yourself an ugly stick, coal. They're pretty firm, and yet they got some nice flexibility and a nice reel that goes with, you know, maybe 20 bucks, 25 bucks. But some of the more expensive things I paid, like I was given like a $350 rod and reel when I left my first congregation. I guess what happened to it? I was fishing on the kayak and I saw a school of fish. I saw a school of fish and I paddled over there. So you know what happened to the pole? What? Went right in the water. Never saw it again. So you can have a lot of fun just with basic stuff. Don't think I get to have a whole bunch of good stuff to catch me. I like to go to YouTube and I watch bass fishermen. A lot of them use very basic things. I went to this musky site. Musky are big, ferocious fish. They, you know, it's just a matter of being in the right place at the right time. If you can be in the right place at the right time, you don't need special equipment. On YouTube, I saw one dude who was fishing for musky, and he goes real simple with his equipment. He makes his own jigs. His hair is all go. long and stuff, and he just takes them, snip. And <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Um, Maybe I can do that. You know, some people don't like fishing at all. It's the last thing in the world. They might like to play golf. I don't. I used to play golf, but now I mainly fish. That's my thing. And do my my little weightlifting for exercising and walking. But I love to fish. You always have something to do. Because usually where you live, there's a body of water between 20, uh, 25 minutes away from you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was fishing with my grandson. We never thought we'd catch a fish there. We hooked up into a big carp or something. We fought that thing for about 15 minutes. Finally broke the line. It was only a four-pound test. But you know what? It still was fun. Even though we didn't catch it, it still was fun. So whether you catch or whether you don't, it's just great to get out in God's good woods, right? Yeah. Do you ever fish with frogs? Big frogs, I'll do that. But I cannot bring myself to take a live frog. It just seems too, too much like a pet to me to put a frog. Have you? I'll probably scare one before I'll be able to grab it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll fish with a worm or a nightcrawler. My wife can't understand how I can sit there and, you know, get a hook out of a fish's mouth. That just blows her away that I can do that. But I said, well, we've got to cook it, right? Or we got to let it go, whatever. If you use these new hooks, I'll show them to you when you come out. They're called owner hooks. They're real thin. They're very sharp. And so if you want to release the fish, that metal will just disappear and dissolve within the fish's uh, gullet within about a month, and they'll live. So what? that's a good way to catch and release, yeah. That way you catch more fish. You've got to tie the hook on the line, but I do that all the time. Maybe I'm, I'm waiting for the big fish, so I don't want to keep the smaller fish, so I cut the line, retie, and you get a little greedy. You know what greedy means? Yeah. Yeah. When you catch a big fish, because then you want another big fish, and you never so fishing teaches me teaches me a lot about learning how to be content, okay, with what I have. Do you have a favorite fishing story or experience? I have so many fishing stories. Uh, I got right. one with Grandpa Ripley. Um, we were fishing. 
And I knew there were some big fish. They were called alpha fish. They're specially raised. They're trophy trout. They're put in the various tributaries and rivers and lakes. I knew they were in there. They weren't really biting for the first day, but I went back the next day and I took your grandpa. I said, Bob, you sit here in this chair. Just sit right here. And nothing was biting, nothing was biting. And uh, you know what he did? He just set his pole on the chair. That was a mistake, wasn't it? Because I went to the other side of the river and I, I said, Bob, Bob, Bob. I ran over there. He's blind. You know, we didn't know where the, where the pole was. I reached out and grabbed the pole just in time before it went in the river. And he reeled that thing in. And I said, keep going, Bob. Keep going. Keep going. A big night crawler. We caught it on. He brought it in. And seven pound fish. So that was a great. I have a picture of that. Maybe I can wow. find it for you. They should do that with bass around here. Race. Oh, put big ones. They do that to attract the fishermen. Yeah. The city and then the various like lodges and marinas pay for the fish. So it brings in the fishermen. So you might get one, you might not, but it's kind of fun to try. This guy here was one of this guy here that I'm showing you, he was caught in Lake Maine after Memorial Day weekend, 1991. That was caught on a mini pole this big. And the guy said, oh, buy this. You can catch a 12-pound fish. I put four-pound test on it and just one night crawler and a little split shot, threw it out there. And it sat there for about 10 seconds. All of a sudden, I saw the line do what? Just like a bass. And then I brought it up, and the thing jumped in the air way out in the lake. I said, I'm never going to get the sand. But I, you know, I had everything right. I had the drag set right. Played the fish, kept the line tight, as you say. Brought it in, and that was an eight-pound fish. So there's plenty of big fish out there to be caught. You're going to catch your share of them, believe me. So you caught a five-pound-plus fish on a Mickey Mouse pole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, they call it a mini light. It's an actual rod and reel, but it's it's not a Mickey Mouse pole. But you, some people would call it that, yeah. But it was only this. It was only about three feet long. <laughs> that was fun. It's always fun to get surprised when you go fishing, right? Can you walk to go fishing, or do you have to take a car or a bike? Yeah, I have to take a car. They should have gone in the pond and installed in this neighborhood instead of a ha yeah. half a basketball court. You know what you can do when you get to know some of the farmers in the area? Are there any farmers where you live? Yeah, sort of. Well, ask them. I mean, I go fishing in your pond. and You'd be amazed. Those kind of ponds are full of fish. But well, you got to be bold enough to go ask them. They don't want you to sneak on the pond. Have you ever fished in Nebraska? Yes, I have. My uncle and my aunt live in Fremont. And they had little farm ponds, and that's where we fished. My <laughs> uncle knew other farmers, and when we come in town, they said, can my nephews come by and fish? And, oh, do we have a good time doing that? So, yeah, you know what? It's a secret place because most people don't think of Nebraska as being a prime fishery, but it really is. What kind of line test do you use when you fish mostly? I have different rods for different techniques and stuff. I have okay. one rod I use, like, frogs on, not live frogs, but that has 65-pound test braid on it. Oh, there you go. That, that'll, that'll hold on to anything, won't it? Yeah. I guess it's mainly for the weeds. Since yeah, then we can pull them out. Yeah. One I normally fish with has 10-pound on it. Yeah. When I was a kid fishing for bass, I didn't know what I was doing. It wasn't like you. and I, uh, We were at Lake Murray, which is a primary fishery and the lake record was caught with a guy who was sleeping and he was just eating his lunch and he left his plastic worm just dangling outside the boat a big fish like i said the state record came up and took it 
and he was able to grab his pole because he was bouncing above the water just like this. Can you imagine that? Jim jumped up and, and he, he brought that in. It was a state record. So a lot of surprises happened. I used to go with little small uh, plastic worms and we'd catch all kinds of bass. But you know when, when the big ones started hitting, and sometimes they did, we didn't know how to bring them in. We didn't know how to get them through the weeds because we didn't have that thick line that you're talking about. We just had like four pound test. So that's a good, it's good to have strong line, isn't it? Can you tell me another story? Sometimes you catch fish, you don't even expect to catch a big fish. When I was in uh, New York on my vicarage, that means we were learning how to be a pastor. We went to this place called Lake Pioneer. It was a Christian Lutheran camp. And I brought my fishing pole and my, my creole, and all the pastors laughed at me. They said, They're not gonna, there's no fish out there. You can't catch anything. And I said, well, you never know. I might go out there the next morning and give it a try. And the, the director of the camp said, there's not been a game fish caught out there in 1958. You know what a game fish is? Like a bass or a trout yeah. or a pike or a muskie. I said, I don't care. I'm going to just relax. I went out there at 6 in the morning, and all the pastors were drinking coffee from their ledge because it was about 7 o'clock in the morning, and they could see what I was doing. First cast, put out a little silver cast master about that big. I all of a sudden, hook up, about a one-pounder. Next cast, and this is no lie, two-pounder with the same lure. They're all saying, look at the vicar, look at the vicar, he's catching fish. And, I, and the third fish, it's about a three-pounder. Bring that in. And then all of a sudden, one of the head executives comes running down, one of the same guys that made fun of me, and he said, let me, let me, let me bring in the next one. He brought in a four-pounder. <laughs> and then I caught a five-pounder with the next one. It wasn't consecutive cast, but they, all, they couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it either. So I didn't expect to catch fish in that section of Lake Erie at all. Because a long time ago, Lake Erie was polluted, but now it was cleaned up. And I fished there around the swimming, swimming beach. No one expected fish to be in there. Well, they were there that day. So just you never know what's going to happen when you go fishing, when you take your pole with you, right? Yeah. And those were called smallmouth bass. Have you caught a smallmouth bass? Yeah. There's not okay. a ton around here. Bass are fun fish to catch. Do you have any techniques or tricks you like to use while fishing? Oh, yeah. I fish for trout like I fish for bass. Bubble with water on it, and then about a four or five foot leader, throw it out there and just reel in a little bit, pull up. Reel in a little bit, pull up. And when I feel the bite, I feel the bite, boom, boom, boom. I just take the bale out and I let them take it, especially if it's a bigger fish. I want to make sure that it swallows the bait. Then the hookup times. I reel in the, reel in the slack, reel in the slack. Then what do you do? Set the hook. <laughs> And then bring it in, yeah. That's one of the tricks that I teach people that come up to the Sierras. I try to show them how to fish because every area is a different area, doesn't it? You could probably, you know things about fishing I don't know, and I'd have to learn from you. Do you have any advice for me as a young fisherman? Well, a couple things is always check the first 10 feet of your line, your monofilament line before you fish because that's stressed the most. And I had a fish the other day that broke that part of the line. That's the first 10 feet. Take that off and cut it off. And then put some WD-40 on your reel or some fishing lubricant. That's always a good thing. I like to change my line every year. I don't always do it, but I try to do it. And another trick, sometimes the line comes off that spool. It's maybe this big. Take your spool, crank up your reel, put a new line on, but then take the spool off and put it in the water overnight. And that'll allow that line to get adapted to your particular spool on your reel. Will the spool rust? No, no, you just leave it overnight. Just the spool, not the whole reel. I don't know how it works with your bait casters. Does the reel come off or not? The spool comes off. 
That's where you take the spool out and put that in a bucket of water. That'll allow that line to adapt to your own reel so you won't get so many tangles. Time for some rapid-fire questions. We should okay. Braid or mono? Oh, mono. Braid's too heavy for most trout. Favorite fish to eat? Trout. Favorite place to fish? Lake Mary in Mammoth. Lake Mary's 140 acres, the biggest lake up in the Mammoth Basin. Favorite lure to fish with? Oh, that's a hard one. I would say all around is the Thompson Buoyant with specks and a gold pattern behind it. Biggest fish ever? Biggest trout I've ever caught eight pounds. Favorite book of a Bible? I like John because it tells me the most important gospel in a nutshell. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There you go. All right, time for our last question. If you could go anywhere in the world, what would your dream catch be? That's so hard. My most favorite thing, instead of traveling around the world, would be just to be able to have someone close to me that stocked his lake with big trout that was all catch and release. I could just go in there anytime or my own backyard, have a pond and have water running into it and just have in there about 10 or 12 big fish and once a week go out there with a Rapala lure. You know what a Rapala is? A floating lure. It looks like a fish and barbless. Catch one or two fish and let them go. That's, that'd be my dream to have a a lake or a pond next to me or near me that I, I knew the person that, that owned it. Or I, it was my own uh, lake itself. Designing your own pond sounds fun, since you kind of have to think out what will the fish eat. Yeah. Or you throw a big log in. Yeah. I would cheat, and I would make sure they all got fed. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for interviewing me. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Catchy Knowledge. I hope you enjoyed listening to Ken Pulse. Thank you to Pastor Ken for letting me interview him. And also thank you for listening. Tight lines to you all, and we'll see you next time on Catchy Knowledge.